Hello, this is Gregory Novak, and welcome to the Cunning of Geist podcast, episode two. In this podcast, I would like to go into a little bit more detail on Hegel's philosophy, his overall system, and also talk about what evidence there is uh, in the in the world that we live in that Hegel may have been onto something. Um, now, his his philosophy is very vast; it covers all aspects of life and nature. And uh, he wrote so much um, stuff that it's it's almost impossible to cover it um, in in one single setting. Or people often ask me, "Can you give me a quick uh, rundown on what Hegel was all about?" That's absolutely impossible. But what I'd like to do is go through, as I said, uh, um, an overall outline of his system, and then talk about what validation uh, we see out there in the world that that says that. Uh, that we should keep an open mind to what he what he has to say. Okay, the the overall system of Hegel can be broken down into three parts. Uh, the first is called uh, the logic, and this is purely about thinking about what being is, what mind is, and how it how it works. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail here, but it doesn't have to do with people or nature or anything like that. It's just pure thinking and and rationality and 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 how that develops, how what the rational mind goes through when it thinks, um, and what it means to to be from a rational standpoint. So that's that's the logic, and that's the first part. The second part is um, nature. And this is um, actually the opposite of logic or mind. Um, this is um, everything that's out there, matter, time, space, physical objects, things, everything that we see. Um, our world today is pretty much focused on nature. Um, and Hegel viewed nature as a, actually an othering of, of mind. It was mind externalizing itself. So that's the second part. But there's a third part, and that's really the interesting part is which um, he calls um, um, spirit which is geist it is mind operating within nature uh, to try to attempt to get to know itself to 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 achieve full awareness of itself as mind um, and in its being so those are the three basic parts Hegel covered all three of these in his encyclopedia of the philosophical sciences and, and again, I've given such a rough sketch of it uh, that I'm not even doing it justice. But, uh, but I want to get into the issue of how do we know this makes any sense? How, what what um, evidence is there out there? Well, I believe there is. Um, and Hegel in specifically referenced three major areas that spirit um, works its um, wonders in the world. And the first is art, um, the second is religion, and the third is philosophy. And uh, I'm going to come back and talk about each of these art, religion, and philosophy uh, in terms of how they have shaped um, man's development over the centuries. But I want to first go back and, and say, well, what, is that, what, what has that got to do with our world today? Um, so there's art, so there's religion, so there's philosophy. Why, why, what has this got to do with anything? Well, the reason I bring it up is it, these are areas that may not be explained 
entirely by um, Darwinian evolution or by scientific method. And, um, and, and I want to state this at the outset. I'm not going to be criticizing evolution, Dar the theory of evolution, Darwin, at all. I believe in it. Um, I, it. It came after Hegel. Darwin came after Hegel, but I believe if Hegel came after Darwin, he would have in, embraced it. So this has nothing to do with with creationism or some something that says that Darwinian evolution is incorrect. I, I'm not saying that at all. However, what I am saying is that if you look at the facts of Darwinian evolution, it may not represent all that we need to uh, to have to understand the the tremendous things that that human beings have produced um, um, here um, over the over the many centuries. Um, and, and again, evolution is a pretty simple concept. It's survival of the fittest, um, and, and certain mutations occur, and if those are, uh, allow a creature to adapt better, they're um, adopted because that, that creature lives and is able to reproduce and produce more like him with that particular feature. And if a feature is, is, doesn't help somebody better compete against other creatures, it, it, uh, they'll die by the wayside and go extinct. So that's basically the theory of evolution. And as the philosopher Patricia Churchland once called it, it's the, uh, uh, the theory of evolution is about the four Fs, feeding, fighting, fleeing, and reproducing. And that's about it. Um, when it comes to rationality, that is not one of the prime movers of evolution. Um, evolution is not trying to make a smarter um, monkey. It is um, really it's trying to make a creature that's better suited to, to evolve and, and survive. Now, of course, one can say, well, rationality developed as a result of, tr of trying to better survive. And absolutely, that's true. And I'm not denying that at all. And um, certainly... Um, having a bigger brain and a smarter um, way of doing things could have given our ancestors a tremendous advantage against the lions and tigers and um, other primates that, that, that may have been out there. But there still are elements that say maybe we seem to have a little excess bandwidth. Uh, there, there, we, we seem to have more uh, than we perhaps need uh, to really embrace the four Fs and, and um, um, succeed in evolution. And, and I'll get to that in a moment. Um, the other thing is, um, is, is, is there are things that science just does not cover. And I, I'm, again, I believe in science wholeheartedly. I follow all the breakthroughs in science and been uh, a fan of um, quantum physics and, and Einstein and everything since I was a little boy. Um, but there are things that, that science just does not get at. Many of those things have to do with human beings and, and what drives us, things like our emotions. Um, you know, science is very good at predicting things, but it, there's a lot that science does not know. You know, for example, the whole issue of um, uh, that all of our thoughts are based on neurons in our brain. If that is all that there is, then we then if, if you have a correct thought or an incorrect thought, that still boils down to neurons in the brain. And you really can't say that a bunch of neurons over here, well, that's right, and a bunch of neurons over there, well, that's wrong. Just based on the neurons alone, you cannot make that judgment. So there's, there's something beyond 
um, just the actual neurons that allows mind to think through judgments and make evaluations. And of course, there are, there are a number of things that science cannot prove. You know, for example, basic things like how do we know that there are even other minds out there? How do we know that we're not the only mind? It's sort of the, the brain and the vat thing. And, you know, a lot of science fiction movies have been made about this. Um, yeah, um, how do we know that we're not being controlled by an evil demon that's creating everything out there that we see? Um, how do we know that the world that we see was not created yesterday with the appearance of age? These are things um, that are, are tough to, to disprove. Um, of course, it's always difficult to, or impossible to prove a negative. And I'm not saying that the world was created yesterday, but I'm saying that there's there's open field here for interpretations that don't conflict with science, but but add on to add on to science. So there's also um, you know if you go back and look at the history of our universe, you know we, it says we started from the Big Bang. Uh, people aren't sure exactly what was going on before the Big Bang, um, if if anything at all. It may have been a result of a big crunch. Um, so it cycles between growth and, and contraction. It may have come out of some other forces, but that's not for the, for this discussion. The point is, if, if, if logic does underlie nature, where was logic back in before there were human beings? The universe is some 14 billion years old. People have been around in their modern form for maybe 100,000 years, a mere tiny fraction or so of, of, of this. Um, where was where was um, Geist before this, before people came? Well, there are some different theories on this. Um, there's a new concept called panpsychism that some people are getting behind. It's certainly not widely endorsed, but there are leading scientists that uh, are considering this, and that's that there's, a, there's something in elementary particles that contains some level of thinking, of consciousness, of, of mind. Again, we haven't discovered what those are uh, and how that could be, but the the, pro the problem of consciousness is so hard to define that it, people are still struggling with this. So panpsychism is one. There's another one developed by the physicist John Wheeler, and uh, it's called the participatory anthropic principle. And that is that before human beings were there, the past only existed in a probabilistic state, almost like quantum physics. It wasn't really there until people came along and could observe through telescopes and stuff what, what is going on out there. Uh, and that then crystallized it into a reality, into an actual past, rather than just being a probabilistic past. I think that's a fascinating theory. Maybe we'll talk about that some more in detail. Um, but again, it just it shows that there are possibilities to account for mind um, and spirit and geist in the universe before people came came on the scene. And there's one other important aspect to consider here. Scientists now believe that uh, about 95% of our universe um, is unknown. They call it uh, dark energy and dark mass. They do not know what this could be. They have no idea. And they admit this, and it's a—I wouldn't say it's a problem, but they—it—it's it, a factor of the universe that we live in and understand. So we only can see and know five percent of what's out there. Now, what uh, what's in that remaining ninety-five percent? Well, it's, that's very open, and I think it's important to keep an open mind, a flexible 
mind regarding what we may find out in the future. And um, that's one of the points that I'm trying to bring out here, that uh, science doesn't have the answer for everything. And um, and again, I, I believe in science, and science continues to learn more, and we should continue to study what is in this dark matter and dark energy. But it, but it's also important to realize that uh, that we don't know what what that, that what that is. Could mind geist somehow be a part of that dark energy? Uh, you you can speculate. You don't know. It may not be. Um, but it um, you, you have to have to keep an open mind when it comes to uh, 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 to these things. Now, if you um, if you look at evolution, though, one of the leading evolutionary biologists, Stephen Jay Gould, came up with a concept called um, spandrels, which is um, sometimes in evolution it'll create some organ or some some device in a creature. And then uh, it, that device will be used for some other means that it, it wasn't intended for, but it can be used for that. So it was developed for one purpose, but it ends up being used for another. He believed that, uh, that our brains created a lot of excess bandwidth and that that was used to make art and philosophy and, and things like this, the great achievements of man, that were not actually programmed to do that, but that was an offshoot. It's interesting, Noam Chomsky, the, uh, the, the political writer um, and activist, um, also believes that um, art and, and words, actually, and speaking is a spandrel, that we're not designed that way through the four Fs, but it, it, it was a lucky result of that. And that very well may be the case. But, but also, the spandrel itself may be the cunning of, of Geist at work. Um, to allow spirit to to advance in the world and to come to know itself. So those are um, those are physical examples of, through evolution and science of how things like artwork can be explained. But it also opens up the possibility that there may be other things going on here. Not to not to conflict with science or evolution at all, but to build on top of it. And let me just spend um, um, a few moments here talking about about art and re religion and philosophy. First of all, art. It's hard to imagine where the um, impetus for such beautiful pieces of artwork come from um, if, the, if the, something else wasn't going on. You, you, if you go back to ancient Greece and you look at the statues, if you look at and then moving forward, look, you know, go look at the great religious art. Look at Michelangelo. It's David. Look at Leonardo da Vinci. Um, look at the Mona Lisa. Um, and it's not just the art world, it's music. If you listen to Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, it's hard to imagine that there's not something more spiritual going on there. The author Kurt Vonnegut said that uh, it was music that convinced him that there is a God. He said he found it provided so much solace to him. That was his, that convinced him. And I know in my own life, uh, growing up, music was so important to me. It, it gave me hope. It gave me comfort. And it, it, it really transported me almost to a, uh, um, another dimension. Hegel also talks about religion as being um, part of the Geist's movement in the world. Um, now, I know re religion has a, is, is a bad word for many people. They point to how many people have been killed in the name of religion. I get all that. I'm not arguing with that. But th it, there also has to be recognition that, that religion um, has been a great civilizer of, of, of human beings over the, over the centuries. 
um, and it's been a strong force and still is in, in, in the world for, for, for betterment. Our founding fathers in the United States also recognized this. And one of the reasons why they completely separated religion from government was they wanted people to have the freedom to practice their own religion and not have to be encumbered by a state religion, if you will. And they um, also realized that they couldn't outlaw religion because it was so important to the people as a, as a civilizing mechanism. So that's that's uh, brings us to philosophy, which, uh, is, as you know, philosophy deals with the big questions of life, the meaning of life, the purpose of life. Um, philosophy asks a lot of whys, not just the mechanical reason why, but why why would this be so? What is the nature of this? There are many different philosophies. Philosophers today don't agree. There are plenty of people that don't agree with Hegel that are top-notch philosophers. Um, but the point here is that Hegel believed that philosophy was the, sort of the, uh, the, the top tier of um, spirit, um, of spirit's enterprises here in the world. When we start thinking about these things, the meaning of life, that's when spirit is best able to understand itself. Um, he called religion more picture thinking of understanding truths through stories and narratives and parables, where philosophy is able to really grab the bull by the horns and deal with thought um, in, in, in itself. So um, this, is, this is basically a, um, a very rough summary of, of Hegel's approach uh, to mind, nature, and, and spirit. And he definitely believed that uh, the, the art, artistic striving of people, their religious striving, and the philosophical striving are, are aspects of Geist's movement in the world. And we still have a long way to go, obviously. Geist is about greater self-awareness, greater freedom for all people, um, knowing itself um, and not being encumbered by, um, by, you know, by other things. And um, it's, it's hard to predict where, where this is going, but it seems to be moving you know, with fits and starts in, in a positive direction. And also, just as a, a reminder, I said this a lot in the first podcast, that Geist is not some separate force that's apart from us. Geist is very much within us as, as human beings and within our community, our, our social interactions. That is how Geist expresses itself. It, it comes alive through people. Uh, it is not some um, other force in a different dimension that's pulling puppet strings here. It's our, perhaps our innermost um, awareness, our innermost um, conscience that pushes us forward to, to try to do better things here. So that is what I wanted to cover in this particular podcast. I want to thank you all for joining me, and we will be uh, doing additional podcasts in the future. And I will certainly get into Hegel in, in more detail and also other philosophers and other things that I'm have studied over the years and, and things that are of interest. So thank you all for joining me and we'll see you next time.